on your computer at psucomradio.com and on the go with the TuneIn Radio app. We are Penn State's Com Radio. The following program is a production of Com Radio on the campus of Penn State University. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the students involved. They do not represent the views of Com Radio, the College of Communications, or Penn State University and its Board of Trustees. That kind of cushion there on third down. And Clipper, after converting, looks to find Hamburg deep. He's got a touchdown, Penn State. On second down, in the air, and picked off by Bradham. Philadelphia will take over. Hoyer fixed the handle. Hoyer throws. Intercepted. It's picked off by Mika Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick is going to go all the way. Welcome to the SNS Show, presented by Lions Pride. Tom Radio's exclusive talk show for Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Penn State sports. Staying alive is Holy Cross coming through a free ball over the top of the net. Back to the Penn State. They're set up with the front nine. Caitlin Horde slams it down for the kill. And Penn State goes up 2-0. Clifford takes a snap. Going to drop back. Has time. Fires it over the middle. Caught. Dots it. Midfield. To the near side 40. 35. Near side 30. 20. Near side 10. Touchdown. Jahan Dotson. All the way to the end zone. 72 yards for the Penn State touchdown. Now, let's send it out to Innovation Park, where Jake Starr and Preston Shoemaker will navigate you through the SNS show here on Com Radio. Pinch me. Jake, you've got to pinch me because I think I'm dreaming for the first time in 23 years number 23 Penn State basketball in the AP poll this is the SNS show and that happened three hours ago Penn State ranked in basketball for the first time since 1996 after a week where they picked up a big win against Maryland and followed it up with a surprisingly narrow but close win against Alabama. Jake, you were on the call for that one. Jake Starr alongside me. I'm Preston Shoemaker. Just a remarkable scene. Penn State basketball this year, we've said it on this show before, you know, Pat Chambers' team this year is deeper than it has ever been. And now, you're looking at a ranked Penn State basketball team for the first time in 23 years. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, really remarkable indeed. I mean, I was at that Maryland game on Tuesday night. Remarkable basketball game. I mean, we were there together. Yeah. Just, it wasn't a fluke. I'm going to say right now, that was not a fluky win by Penn State. Penn State was the better team than Maryland throughout that entire game. Penn State didn't shoot a foul shot until Until the the last five-minute mark of the the game. And they still won that game handily. Penn State's not a fluky basketball team. They're a good basketball team who's had two fluky losses this year. We want to remind you guys, as you continue to tune into the show today, it is presented by Lions Pride. Want to look like you belong on Penn State's sideline this season? You can when you shop their Nike collection. Visit their downtown State College location at 112 East College Avenue or shop online at lions-pride.com. So, 
if you're just joining in, welcome to the SNS Show. Last show of the decade, last show of the year here at Finals Week at the campus of Penn State. And, you know, Jake, you're heading out of town tomorrow, going back home tomorrow morning. I'm sticking yeah. around for the majority of the week. Got to knock out some work. But it's been an awesome semester. I mean, it's flown by, but it's been a great time. And I'm excited to dive through some of the stuff today. We've got some cool segments on the latter half of the show, some best of the decades for both sides of the state as well as here at Penn State as well as some holiday wish lists. But those will come. Let's talk first. We've already talked a little bit here about Penn State basketball. They get the win on Saturday, 73-71 over Alabama. You were on the call for that game. I tuned in at the end of that game, Jake. One of the first things I texted you was, Penn State wins another narrow game. Is this saying more about Penn State's grit to stay and fight in these games where they're falling down late? Or is it talk more about their ability to seemingly play up or down to whoever their opponent is every single week? You had an emotional win Tuesday night. It's not easy to get up for a Saturday afternoon game after you play a game Tuesday night in front of the entire nation and you beat a top-five basketball team, you storm the court. That's a thrilling experience, and the emotions at that point are at an all-time high. And I kind of was expecting Penn State to come out a little sleepy, and that's what they did. They struggled in the first half. They shot under 35%. But you got to give them credit. Second half, they came out there, and they turned things around, and they played a really strong second half. And they showed something in this, on Saturday that they didn't show me at all last year, and that was the ability to win close basketball games. And that's what I saw on Saturday, and that's a trait – I think it can carry along the rest of the season. Down 15 against Yale with four minutes to play. You storm back and you win that game. Down against Alabama for a large chunk of the game. They don't panic. They find a way to win the game. They're showing something that they haven't shown in a long time. It's not just winning close games. It's having the fight and not laying down and getting on top of yourself when you're down in a game, down the stretch. These guys are in it to play. They're in it to come out strong. And it's clear that this is a different team on the floor that you've seen at all in the last in the Chambers era, at least. They're just so deep out there. They play to their own strengths. They've got strengths off the bench. It's just really fun to watch them go. And it's a mature basketball team. you got to give them a lot of credit for that. They're a mature team. Lamar Stevens is a senior. Mike Watkins is a senior. You know, Miles Dredd's a year older. Jamari Wheeler's a year older. Then you got guys like Curtis Jones, Myron Jones, who are really stepping up. I'm pretty sure Myron and Curtis Jones combined for over 30 points the other day. So, you got to give them a lot of credit. They're a maturing basketball team, and I'm really excited kind of about where they stand this year. Here's what I'll say. Before coming into this week, Penn State had five points in the AP poll. They had been racking up some points, but they just had not really gotten the traction they needed yet. That Maryland win was huge. The Alabama win kind of was a little scary. It was like an okay, Alabama, they should have played better. I did not think that Penn State was going to get in this week. I had been saying Penn State – is going to be right around the bubble. They'll be in the hundreds of points. But there's going to be a couple teams that are ahead of them that when they lose, Penn State might sneak in. And it'll help. Penn State comes in this week in the hundreds on the points for the AP poll. Let me tell you the team that got them in. And it's not the only team. But North Carolina is not ranked in the AP poll. A stunning loss to Wofford. That's the second time in two years that UNC has lost to the Terriers at home. I'm a Tar Heel fan. For those out there who don't know it, I'm a Penn State basketball fan first, but I'm a Tar Heel fan as well. And I'm sitting here this week, and for so long I've had a team in the top 25, but it's now Penn State, and it's not UNC. That's kind of weird. But UNC losing another game 
they fall out, you know, they're not playing well. You can thank Wofford as you're as you're a Penn State fan. That's part of the reason that UNC is able to make that push. North Carolina falls out. Xavier is right there on the bubble as well with 40. They're not in it. You know, there's just some teams that fell out. Colorado losing last week helped a big time. They went from 24. Rutgers beating Seton Hall by 20 points. Rutgers beating Seton Hall was big as well. I mean, this season is just nuts. And the Big Ten's good. The Big Ten's balanced and good. There's about seven or eight teams that I think could realistically win the Big Ten this year. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good uh, good Penn State basketball season, a big good Big Ten basketball season. Absolutely. Great great stuff there. I, I see you over here. You've got the bracketology pulled up by Lenardi. You, you got yeah, something Penn, you want to pull out of that? Yeah, Penn State sixth on today's bracketology. And I mean, look, they keep winning. Pull out a few upsets over some ranked teams. That, that could get oh, higher. My. I mean, realistically speaking, I expect Penn State to be maybe an eight or nine seed in the tournament. But look, they're a five or six seed. That's an added bonus. If they're anything higher than a five or six seed, then pinch me. I might be dreaming. <laughs> I already need to be pinched. But let's shift gears here. Jake, do you want to keep the tides high? Or do you want to be disappointed and then brought back up? I think considering where we were last night, why don't we start with being disappointed? Okay. I mean, the game as a whole, I, I enjoyed it. The experience, so, Heinz Field, great field. You know, good football game between two good football teams. I'm very happy for the Buffalo Bills franchise. You know, Sean McDermott's a Philadelphia guy. He coached under Andy Reid. Give him a lot of credit for what he did. But Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about it last night on the car ride home. What can you expect from that offense? Look, that's the second night game I've been to in Heinz Field. Jake and I were both in attendance last night for the Steelers-Bills game on Sunday Night Football. The atmosphere was electric. I mean, they were shooting off fireworks. I felt like P.J. Mullen was in that (laughs) booth down there, you know, getting everything set up. Great game ops, great experience. Here's the thing that was so shocking to me. I have never, ever seen a visiting fan base in Heinz Field like I saw Bills Mafia last night. It was unbelievable. A lot of blue. I mean, there was not only was there a lot of blue, but there were so many it, Steelers would have the ball on like third and short. It's loud How about in our there. section. It's loud in there. Our section was filled with Bills fans. It was it was adding insult to injury down the stretch seeing so many Bills fans in attendance here, but Look, I, I get how other teams feel when the Steelers go on the road. Steelers are one of the best traveling teams in the Look league. At Arizona last week. That, yeah. But the Bills fans were there. I tip the cap to them. They've been that's a fan base that's been through a lot. You know, a, and they're a really good fan their base. Their fan bases, their fans cheering at the end of that game, nineteen ninety nine, and you're like, Well, actually it's only been two years since they made the playoffs. No, nineteen ninety nine was the last time they beat the Steelers. And last ten win season too. They they had this on their bucket list. They knew what was coming, they knew what they could do. They clinched the playoffs for the second time in three years. You know, good for them. And you look at the Steelers side of things, you know, Duck Hodges has played well on the offensive side. He didn't play well last night. Four interceptions. Might have been five interceptions. I don't remember what the exact number were, on that there was. There were two in the last two drives. Two, two in the last two drives. You have an undisciplined quarterback who's young, down the stretch, trying to make something happen. They had two chances to tie that he game up He couldn't run the, the hurry up at all. Yeah. Here's my biggest thing with Steelers football. I've said it so many times. They do not manage the clock well. I've put that on Tomlin in the past. I've called for Tomlin's job because of it in the past. I've recently, on this show... Pulled back my statements calling for Tomlin's job saying, hey, I'm sorry. Tomlin has done a nice job with a team of misfits. That's what they've been this year. But they could have, during the game, I'm sitting there and I'm telling you, they could have had, at the end, another minute and 30 seconds if they call timeouts better. They let better. a whole play clock run down. They let the a clock whole, running and called a timeout. They let a whole play clock run down and called a timeout at three seconds. They're walking up to the line of scrimmage. They're huddling up. 
Ben Roethlisberger runs the NASCAR like nobody else. He can get out there. He can call the plays. He can get things going. That comes with experience. That comes with discipline. That comes with talent. This offense is so young, you can't expect that, which puts that responsibility even more so on Tomlin to be getting in Doug Hodges' ears saying, hey, you know, get up to the line, spike it. Get up to the line, call a play, call a play. Let's go, let's go. No huddle. They're huddling up down the stretch. They're driving down the field. They they burned at least two minutes of just standing around on numerous plays, not knowing what's going on. End of that game, you force an interception in the end zone twice because you're trying to make something happen. After the first one, I thought the game was over. It was kind of a miracle they even put themselves back there just to do it again. They got fortunate because the Bills had that holding penalty, I'm pretty sure, that stopped mm-hmm. it. I don't even think it should have stopped the clock, but it did stop the clock and gave the Steelers an extra 30 or 40 seconds to get something rolling. But obviously, Steelers take on the Jets this week, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show, make some predictions for that. And the first Le'Veon Bell reunion yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I, just closing up a brief conversation today with Pittsburgh, because we want to we get into a lot of stuff today. The Steelers' offense has struggled for a large part of the season. They're not the Steelers' offense that you are used to from the last few years. It's understandable. That being said, if you want to be a playoff team, there's a certain standard that you have to meet on both sides of the football that if you're not meeting it, there's going to be disappointment and there's going to be anger and there's going to be some stuff calling out. You can't sit here and realistically say, what's going on? Why is Duck Hodges and White the running back and Connor who didn't really run much and then you've got Deontay Johnson and James Washington. Like This offense needs to be better. None of these guys were first stringers at the beginning of the season. James Conner was, but he didn't really play much last night. He was very limited. He wasn't himself yet, clearly. First game back off of injury. But if you want to be a playoff team and you want to be treated like a playoff team, you've got to beat playoff teams. They did not play to beat the Bills last night. The defense, it's not that the defense really fell apart. Josh Allen had that great drive at the end of the game to put them up 17-10 to and pretty much closed the door. He came out and just drove him right down the field, a couple of big passing plays, and that was that. Right after Renegade. Right after Renegade. I, I've seen Renegade fail maybe one, count him on one hand, that's one of them now. But, I mean, the offense needs to play better. I don't know if it's a play-calling thing. I don't know if it's a Mason Rudolph comes back thing. I think I think you got to ride with Duck right now. But at this point, maybe Juju coming back, Connor getting a little healthier, kind of sparks something. But this game against the Jets next week is a must-win game on the road that doesn't even clinch you a playoff spot before you have to go play the Scary Ravens in Week 17. Would have been a nice game to win last night at home in front of your fan base to kind of put yourself in a great spot for the postseason, but it wasn't meant to be. We'll see what happens with the offense here in the next couple weeks. By the time we are on this show again, so much is going to happen. By the time we're on this show again, we're going to be set in the conference championship We're going to be recapping two Pennsylvania football seasons, Probably. probably three. Let's be honest there. but True. Let's talk about this last football team and the Eagles. We watched that game at my house yesterday, and, like, that did just a solid win for the Eagles. The sp- hey, when they say good teams win, great teams cover, Eagles covered yesterday. Eagles covered yesterday. Shout out to the Eagles for the fumble recovery for the touchdown. Last play of the game to cover the spread. You saved me. For the first time all year, I'm saying that I think I got the Eagles game right, and I'm happy about it. But, I mean, the Eagles, it wasn't a pretty win. But it was a win, and now, this game this week against the Cowboys... That's it. This is it. You knew that this was going to be big all season. Regardless of anything else, throw everything out the window, throw the first 14 games out the window, this is it. Let me just say something real quick. Carson Wentz, since the last time we were on the show, has led two straight game-winning drives 
And I don't care if it's against the Giants and the Cowboys, okay? I've heard so much talk on Carson Wentz for the last couple of years saying he can't be clutch. And when he's finally clutch, you're going to tell me who it came against. I don't care who it came against. Being clutch is being clutch. This is the NFL. There's 32 good NFL football teams. Eagles lost to the Miami Dolphins. So I don't want to hear anything about my quarterback not being clutch. Because I guarantee you, if the Rain Dakota Prescott went back-to-back weeks with game-winning drives against the Cowboys, not, he's on the Cowboys, against the Giants and the Redskins, he's being hailed as the greatest thing ever. But because it's Carson Wentz, they're going to find something to nitpick. Because when he can't be clutch, they go for that. The minute he's clutch, they're going to find something else to nitpick. The fact of the matter is you can't win. Carson Wentz just, just got to go out there and keep doing his thing. Looks like they have a group of receivers maybe they can trust now. Greg Ward Jr. looks solid, had the game-winning touchdown catch. Zach Gertz had another touchdown yesterday or two. Miles Sanders looks explosive. Dallas Goddard looks good. Maybe you get Nelson Aguilar back and see what happens. But the fact of the matter is, I'll bet whatever you want to bet that I think the Eagles are going to have a chance on Sunday. I give them any chance. I give them as much of a chance as I'll give anybody against the Cowboys because their season's on the line. And I think they're starting to believe in themselves. So we'll see what happens. Got the home team behind them. It's going to be interesting. Look, the Cowboys are the biggest anomaly in football right now. I've said, I think I've said that same sentence for weeks. I mean, you come out and blow out the Rams 44-21. The Rams just blew out the Seahawks the week before. The Rams also lost to the Steelers. That NFC is so j- jangled up. Like, you have no idea what's going on. But those Cowboys are coming into Philadelphia. They, just like the Eagles, know that... A win is huge for the division race. Those Cowboys go to the Redskins, host the Redskins week 17. Eagles get the Giants. You know, maybe the Giants are keeping the farewell tour for Eli alive versus bringing Jones back for that game. You know, we'll see. But I think the division comes down to week set, this game right here. Cowboys win this game, they clinch the division. Is that is that right? Because I the Cowboys yes, won it, earlier this year. And if the Eagles win, they have to beat the Giants Week 17. So an Eagles it. win will not clinch it. A Giants win will clinch it regardless. Cowboys win. Uh, s- yeah. Excuse me. Cowboys win. Regardless, this is the game of the year for both teams, yeah. I think. Two more points real quick before we send it to break. And we'll obviously revisit this game when we make predictions at the end of the show. First of all, there's going to be a lot of people this week that are saying that Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles aren't a consistent enough football team. How can I trust them against the Cowboys? How can I trust the Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles? What has Dallas done to show me that they can be trusted on Sunday? If you're going to play one side of the coin and say you can't trust the Eagles, then you better dang well respect it as well and play the other side of the coin and say we can't trust the Cowboys. They lost three straight football games between beating a Rams team that really isn't that good. So I don't really trust either team. Also, shout out to Andre for a funny comment on our uh, Instagram live stream. You know, remember the meme, no one, no one, and then like someone, he goes, no one, Absolutely no one. Jake Starr. Carson Wentz is clutch. My QB won. <laughs> I gave it some love in the Instagram comments, but I appreciated that. But Yeah, so so with that, we're going to wrap up the first segment here. On the other side of the break, we're wrapping up the decade. Top 10 moments in Philly, top 10 moments in Pittsburgh. Real fun segment. You don't want to miss it right here on the SNS Show. Don't go anywhere. We are stronger. Lions pride. Stand together. Calling all Nittany Lions fans. We are Bowl Bound. Be sure to get your Penn State Bowl merchandise at Lions Pride, located directly across from Old Main. You can also shop online at lions-pride.com.
We are hiring. Penn State's Campus Dining is looking for passionate and talented students to join their team. They put student employees first with flexible scheduling and no minimum hours per week, so it won't interfere with classes and clubs. Wages start at $9 an hour, and there are regular opportunities for raises and advancements throughout the year. Join Campus Dining, the perfect money move for your semester. Visit their website online at foodservices.psu.edu for more information and to apply today. You're listening to The SNS Show, presented by Lions Pride, here on Com Radio. Welcome back to The SNS Show. Jake Starr joined alongside by Preston Shoemaker. About 10 to 4 here on the East Coast. Final week of the first semester of the 2019-2020 school year. Another reminder, as we move through today's show that is brought to you by Lions Pride. Want to look like you belong on the sideline this season? You can when you swipe through their Nike collection. Visit their downtown location at 112 East College Avenue or shop online at lions-pride.com. So, Preston, we spent a lot of time kind of going over what this next segment. I mean, probably about an hour last night around 1 o'clock in the morning on the car ride home from Pittsburgh. <laughs> we were kind of going over this. So, what we have for you now, we're going to move through the show. We're going to do the top 10 moments. In Philadelphia this decade, top 10 moments in Pittsburgh this decade, top 10 storyline slash moments in Penn State this decade, and we're going to give our holiday wish list. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so without any further ado, let's start off with some honorable mentions. Preston, I'll let you go first and give me your Pittsburgh honorable mentions. These are ones who were heavily considered, heavily debated, but unfortunately did not make the top 10. Yeah, you know... I'm not the biggest hockey guy, so it was tough for me in Pittsburgh. I wanted to get the Penguins represented on this list, so I have some honorable mentions. One of them being Phil Kessel adds added to the Penguins. Middle of this decade, they go out and get a big guy like Kessel, plug him into their big three on that uh, starting team, and it leads to two Stanley Cups, which will definitely be on this list later. But I've got that in my honorable mention. My two other ones, Pirates pitcher Jamison Tyon beats cancer back in 2017. He steps away. With cancer, a big storyline. You never want to see stuff like that. And just him being able to come back and pitch again in the major league, that was big for the Pirates, I think, in this decade as well. And I close off my honorable mentions. A game that involved Joey Porter, but it was not when he was a player. Steelers beat the Bengals in the playoffs after Coach Joey Porter draws a couple of personal fouls out of some angry Bengals players a little gift for the Steelers as they walk away and steal a playoff win against the Bengals in 2016. That's one of the crazier playoff games I've ever seen. I mean, you had Jeremy Hill fumble. You had Devontae's hit on Antonio Brown, which I still don't think he's recovered from, <laughs> looking at the way he's acting now. Yeah. Uh, that was a crazy football game. You had – who had the crazy catch in the end zone? The oh, McCarron was the quarterback for the Bengals. A.J. Yeah, Green had a go-ahead touchdown. All I remember is being so – anxious about that game watching it at a friend's house and just pacing around the room those flags came out with perfect and then the double personal foul turned into like 30 yards on the penalty a huge change of events Steelers end up winning that game on a field goal down the stretch that was a big one but it did not crack my top 10 so my honorable mentions I kind of left out signings and trades but for the sake of this I'll throw in the Harper one of my honorable mentions obviously that was a big moment there is a Harper moment in my top 10 so we'll hit on that one a few other honorable mentions, Snowball versus the Lions in 2013. Shady McCoy breaks the Eagles' single-game rushing record. Game 6 versus the Bulls in 2012. That's when the Eagles Sixers 
upset the Chicago Bulls in the first round of the playoffs as an 8C when the Bulls were a 1C. Same series where Derrick Rose tore his ACL. So Sixers kind of stumbled their way into a little luck. Ended up going 7 with the Celtics in the next round before dropping that one. Simmons hitting his first career of 3. I think that's a pretty <laughs> big one. That one has to go in there as well. And we also have the shift. That's Game 6 of the Flyers 2012 Eastern Conference quarterfinals versus the Penguins. Flyers go up in that series 3-0. Penguins come back and win the next two. Flyers back at home at the Wells Fargo Center. Needed some sort of spark. They got that when Giroux laid out Crosby off the opening faceoff, then came down and scored a couple seconds later. Flyers ended up winning that series, which also happened to be their last playoff series win. So, without any further ado, press it number 10. All right, my number 10 is something that's still ongoing, but has certainly been a storyline for Pittsburgh this season, and it's Ryan Shazier. The comeback from his injury to be able to walk across the stage at the NFL draft and announce a pick, to be able to be a part of this team, to continue to work out. He's been an inspiration for so many people. He's certainly an inspiration in that Steelers locker room and on that sideline. He was one of the better defensive players in the league, let alone on the Steelers, before that brutal injury a couple years back. But the way he's been able to turn things around, his just dedication to coming back and playing football it's just been remarkable. I think that's certainly been one of the top storylines in the city of Pittsburgh. For professional sports this decade, I put him at 10. My number 10, I'm going to go the Bryce Harper Grand Slam versus the Cubs this year. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't have much of an impact, but it was still one of the more, probably the most exciting moment the Phillies have had probably in the last eight years. Obviously, not a lot to pick from post-2011. When I was at that game, they were down 5-1 in the ninth. Cesar Hernandez got on by an error. Then the floodgates open. Harper came up, walk-off Grand Slam. So, exciting moment. That's kind of like, that shows the impact Bryce Harper can bring to this city. And that's my number 10. I look forward to seeing what he can do. And, you know, we, we revisit it in 10 years from now. We'll see how much of an impact Harper's had. My number 9 for Pittsburgh this decade. Steelers win back-to-back years on Christmas Day. 2016-2017. Especially 2016 walk-off win against the Ravens to win the division on Christmas Day. Antonio Brown just an inch across that goal line. And, man, I scared my family on the other side of that wall in the kitchen eating dinner, jumping up and down and yelling. That was an awesome moment. The following year, Christmas Day, once again, they beat the Texans. That was the DeAndre Hopkins, what an amazing catch game. That's the greatest catch we've ever seen. (laughs) Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico, yeah. Back-to-back wins on Christmas Day, just like tying those two together, what it meant to be able to watch the Steelers as a fan base in Pittsburgh on Christmas Day, see some big-time wins. I put them at number nine. My number nine is back in 2013 when Nick Foles took the world by storm. Seven touchdowns against the Oakland Raiders, then proceeded to finish the season 7-1, win the NFC East for the Eagles, their first playoff appearance at that point since 2010 when they beat the Cowboys Week 17. Ended up losing to the Saints in the first round, but... Never forget, Nick Foles left the field of a lead, and all started with seven touchdown passes versus the Raiders. That's number nine. Number eight for me in Pittsburgh, 2015 Pirates season. The Pirates won 98 games in that season. It was a huge year for them. They ended up coming through, I think, second or third in the division, which was just unbelievable. The division was stacked that the year. The division was loaded that year. Was one of the first calls I feel like for hey maybe we should reevaluate what wild card weekend is because a team that wins 98 games goes right into that wild card and loses. I don't remember. I think that was Mad Bum game, but it might have been Arietta game. 15 would have been Arietta. It was Arietta game. So 14 was Mad Bum. So Pirates losing the wild card against Arietta, but a 98 win season was just an Im- remarkable, the best season they've had in a long time. That came in at number eight in Pittsburgh.
For my number eight was this past January when Cody Parkey double-doinked the game-winning field goal attempt <laughs> off of the uprights twice. That came after Nick Foles led the Eagles down the field for a game-winning touchdown caught by Golden Tate. The Eagles ended up losing next week in New Orleans on a ball that hit off Alshon Jeffrey's hand, but it was still... Should've caught that ball. Definitely should, he catches that ball. Eagles might have back-to-back Super Bowls. <laughs> Never know. But got to give the Eagles a lot of credit. We're 6-7 and seven that season, fought back, went 9-7, and seven, made the playoffs, beat, won a playoff game. End up losing in the second round. Maybe the Eagles have another late season run on them. But Double Doink comes in at number eight. Number eight being one of the things that the Eagles had no control over. And it became one of the top moments of the decade. I mean, kind of funny I mean, to think The that. ball was tipped. It was tipped. It, was, it went down as a block. So Bar- Parkey puts that ball through the uprights and so much changes. He might still have a job with Chicago today, but not the case. Number seven for Pittsburgh. Take you back to 2011. The Steelers beat the Ravens after being down 21-7 to in the divisional round at Heinz Field. It was also the birth of what player, Jake? Can you think of that? 2011? 2011. What position? Wide receiver. Antonio Brown? The Antonio Brown helmet catch made a name for himself. That was his rookie season. They go on that next week in the championship game, host the Jets, and beat them before losing in their only Super Bowl of the decade to the Packers. That was Antonio Brown's rookie year, and he was a huge part in that win against the Ravens, comes in at number seven. My number seven, and the final start of his Phillies career, Cole Hamels goes into Wrigley Field, throws a no-hitter. Odubel Herrera gave Phillies fans a collective heart attack in the last play of the game as kind of misjudged the fly ball, had to dive forward, made the catch. Cole Hamels threw a no-hitter against the Cubs, and then a couple days later he was traded. Almost came back to Philly this winter, but ended up signing with the rival Atlanta Braves. But still, number seven, Cole Hamels, no-hitter in his last start with the Phillies. Number six in Pittsburgh, 2013. The Pittsburgh Pirates have their first winning season in over 20 years, breaking the longest current streak in American professional sports for losing seasons consecutively. Clint Hurdle, it was the start of that three-year playoff run for the Pirates. They really turned things around, came in, they make the playoffs that year. There's more to come from that season in this list, but just the... Ability to come out of losing 20 straight years and you get a winning season. Winning that 82nd game in uh, September was one of the biggest things that happened in Pittsburgh. Fans were going nuts. Just so many collapses, so much disappointment. All of that ended that season with a winning year. Make the playoffs. That came in at number six for the Pittsburgh side. And real quick before I go to number six for me, just to spearhead off that Hamels no-hitter real quick. Phillies did have a combined no-hitter the previous September. It's just another honorable mention right there we forgot to hit on earlier in the show. Number six for me is December 2010. Eagles down 31-10, to eight minutes to go at the Meadowlands in New York against the Giants. Michael Vick connects with Brent Selleck to make it 31-17. Then runs a quarterback keeper on the next drive to make it 31-24. Then connects with Macklin for about a 10-yard touchdown to tie it up at 31. Giants got the ball back, went three and out. Eagles took a timeout, 11 seconds to go. Matt Dodge was told to punt it out of bounds. Didn't listen. Hit a line drive kick to Jackson, who fumbled it, picked it up, then took it all the way to the house for a touchdown. Miracle at the Meadowlands, number three. Comes in for the Eagles at number six on my list, and that ended up clinching the division for the Eagles, even though they ended up losing the next two games, one to Minnesota and Joe Webb. I forget who Week 17 came to. Then they ended up dropping the wild card game to the Green Bay Packers. But number six, Deshaun Jackson and the Miracle at the Meadowlands. I remember watching that game, Jake. That was just... 
outstanding. What year was that again? December of ten. December of twenty ten. Yeah. So we're we're ten years old. I vividly remember watching Deshaun Jackson run that kick back. I think we. I think I saw it live, but I definitely got to see a little NFL live action. Some. Uh, some Chris Berman calling the highlights. One of Joe one. Buck's best calls, not gonna lie. Uh, just, just an awesome call there. That's certainly something I think is big for Philly in this decade. But we'll move on. Number five, top five for Pittsburgh. James Conner beats cancer and joins the Pittsburgh Steelers. Graduate from Pitt, comes out of college, beats cancer, and now is the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly a feel-good story something that's been very much in the news for Pittsburgh over the last decade. Just remarkable to be able to see what he's been able to do in his career and his life. Truly an inspiration to so many people. Similar to the Jamison Tyon beating cancer there. Reason uh, Connor got in there a little bit is just because he had the pit roots as well. He's really just been a Pittsburgh story for so long this decade. I got him in there at number five. His just success and his ability. My number five one is final day of the 2010 regular season. Brian Boucher makes a save, kicks his leg up in the air. Flyers clinch a playoff spot over the Rangers. Final day of the season. Then Flyers come in, upset the Devils in the first round. Sorry, Kyle Canelo. Yeah, where's Kyle? Then we're down 3-0 against the Bruins in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Came all the way back to tie to 3, sent it to Game 7. Went down 3-0 in Game 7. Came back, won it 4-3 on a game-winning Simone Gagne goal in the third period. Flyers won that, and they steamrolled over the Montreal Canadiens four games to one. To make the Stanley Cup final, unfortunately ended up losing to the Chicago Blackhawks 4-2, but it was still a Cinderella miraculous run for the seventh seed out of the East that year. So my number five is the Flyers' Cup run. Number four in Pittsburgh, back to that 2013 baseball season, Andrew McCutcheon is the National League MVP. Just remarkable, the only MVP that Pittsburgh's had this decade, and it was just a great season for him, so much fun to watch. And he, after coming second in the MVP voting year before he gets that one, he was really the face of Pittsburgh, I felt, like for the first half of this decade before he eventually moved on to the Giants and then the Yankees and now the Phillies. Hopefully he's healthy this year. Could really love McCutcheon. Could really use him. Anyway, number four. Now you're going to see a little theme in these last four, at least three of the last four, and I'm sure everyone knows exactly where we're going with these next four. So number four, Julio's stop on fourth down. Eagles are up over the... Falcons 15 to 10. Falcons drive down the field, converted a couple of fourth downs, got inside the 10-yard line. Eagles got three straight stops, and on fourth down, Matt Ryan takes a snap, rolls right. I remember watching this from my seats, throws the ball up in the air. Man, I felt like that ball was in the air for an eternity. Jalen Mills, Julio Jones both go up. Jalen Mills somehow finds a way to knock it away. No flags on the field. Eagles sneak away with the win for their first playoff win in f- 10 years, I think it was. <laughs> Eight, nine, ten, I think it was nine years. Over the Falcons, we won the NFC Championship game 15-10, and that comes in at number four on our rankings. Number three in Pittsburgh, sticking in the 2013 baseball season, the Cueto wildcard game. Pirates win their first playoff game in over 21 years, and the echoes of Cueto ring through PNC Park. Just a, I, I wasn't able to go to this game. I, I was actually at the Michael Waka game later that same season when Waka nearly no-hit them, through, through, had them no-hit through six or seven innings, and the Pirates lost that game after having a lead on the Cardinals in the DS. But that Cueto game was phenomenal, and just the lure of what happened in that game, Cueto drops the ball, he gets rattled, they pull him out of the game. A sellout PNC Park for a Pittsburgh fan base who has been starved of playoff baseball for over 20 years. Not only do they get a winning season that year, but they get a playoff win 
at home. That was huge in Pittsburgh. I debated putting that up near number one, but I dropped it down to number three. You'll see why in a little bit. My number three one is two moments that happened in the same season. So 2010, Phillies trade for Roy Halladay. Halladay comes in in May. Phillies were in the stretch of really a slump right there. Their offense really couldn't muster anything, considering they won this game one nothing. Roy Halladay goes down to South Beach, Miami. Throws a perfect game against the Miami Marlins, or Florida Marlins at the time, technically. Last play of the game was hit towards third. Castro... Nab the runner at first. That was the perfect game. Then you fast forward to the game one of the playoffs. Roy Halladay's first ever playoff start. And he throws just a second no-hitter in MLB playoff history. And was really just a couple inches on a pitch to Jay Bruce away from becoming a perfect game. But nonetheless, Roy Halladay didn't collapse under the pressure. Went out there, threw a no-hitter. Really just a remarkable career. Remarkable four years with the Phillies in the Hall of Fame now. You know, we missed Roy Halladay. Rest in peace to him. And he made a tremendous impact while in Philadelphia. And those two games show why. So number three, Halladay's perfect game and no-hitter. I love Roy Halladay. I love what he did for the city of Philadelphia. That was one of the best stories I felt in Philadelphia this decade. And just, you know, being able to be in Cooperstown this summer when his, fa- when his family was there to accept his award, going into the Hall of Fame, certainly an emotional time. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that just felt like he was always doing it right. Fun to watch in Philly. And I'm excited to watch his son pitch for Penn State baseball yep. this season. Number two in Pittsburgh, Ben, Brown, Bell, Bryant, Boswell. You got any more? The Killer Bees, whether you like the way that things ended or not, were clearly one of the best stories in Pittsburgh this decade. Just the offensive dominance that the Steelers had from about 2013 to what – kind of started fading out 16, 17, 18 when Martavis Bryant gets traded, Le'Veon Bell sits out and leaves, Antonio Brown's now gone, Ben's now hurt. But for a time, it felt like NBC, CBS, Fox, that was their graphics department was making nothing but B references and B graphics because that was the story in Pittsburgh. And for a Steelers team that just felt like they were good enough to win a Super Bowl all decade but just never got over the hump at different times, Really disappointing in that aspect, but what those guys were able to do on the offensive end, top five offense for a couple of different years, the Killer Bees were phenomenal. It's a shame that it ended the way it did. Number two, the 2018 NFC Championship game between the Eagles and Vikings, where the Eagles won 38-7, to just so many big plays in that game. Patrick Robinson pick six was probably the loudest I've ever heard the link before. I felt the link shaking during that play. You had the flea flicker, the Jeffrey touchdown. It's an all-around great performance by the Eagles. I think they picked off Case Keenum twice, forced another couple of fumbles. Eagles win that one 38-7 to move on to their first Super Bowl of the decade. Number one in Pittsburgh. I said it was coming back, and I didn't feel right not putting it at number one. The Penguins win back-to-back Stanley Cups 2016-2017. Look, the only championships the city of Pittsburgh got to celebrate this decade. I mean, you can't not put that at number one. The dominance that they had those two years... I mentioned it in my uh, notable mentions, the Kessel bringing him in and adding him with Sidney Crosby and some of those other guys, Malkin, Andre Fleury at times, just a team that was really... Yeah, Matt Murray either. Matt, Matt Murray at uh, the end of the Andre Fleury era, but that's just two teams, back-to-back champions. You can't make that the number one moment in Pittsburgh this decade, so I got the Penguins sitting on top. My number one, I'm pretty sure everybody pretty much knows where we're going with this, but just the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, and it's everything that happened in that game. That combines the Philly special, the Zach Ertz go-ahead touchdown, the strip sack by Brandon Graham, the Hail Mary at the end. I think there's no doubt 
that the Eagles winning the Super Bowl might not just be the best moment of this decade, but the best Philly sports moment of all time. So number one on our list, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Well, look, if you win your first Super Bowl ever in this decade, of course that you're going to have a common theme in the top half of that rankings exactly. with them coming through. I mean, I showed you last night what it looked like to have multiple Super Bowl trophies hey, at in a stadium. Have, we, we, got, one. we got to walk through the Hall of Fame at Heinz Field. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, but in the for back. you, the first four don't count. First four don't count. I saw the last two. I have vivid memories of most recent one, 40 vague memories. But, of course, that's going to be up there. If the Steelers had won a Super Bowl, I probably would have picked 10 plays from it and made that my top 10. But with that, that's, that's what we got there. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay right here because when we get back, we're going to go through the top 10 storylines of the last decade at Penn State, and we're going to give our holiday wish list. Don't go anywhere. The SNS Show will be right back. We are stronger, Lions pride, stand together, blue and white. Lions pride, show the world your Penn State side. Lions pride, you're living, you're loving Lions pride. Lions Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. Lions Pride, you live it, you love it, Lions Pride. We are hiring. Penn State's Campus Dining is looking for passionate and talented students to join their team. They put student employees first with flexible scheduling and no minimum hours per week, so it won't interfere with classes and clubs. Wages start at $9 an hour, and there are regular opportunities for raises and advancements throughout the year. Join Campus Dining, the perfect money move for your semester. Visit their website online at foodservices.psu.edu for more information and to apply today. This is the SNS Show, presented by Lions Pride, here on Com Radio. It's the SNS Show here. I'm Preston Shoemaker, joined alongside by Jake Starr here on Com Radio. You can also catch us live on Facebook at the SNS Show or streaming on Instagram. And our Twitter is PSUSS Show. But as we move on in today's show, we want to remind you that it's brought to you by Lions Pride. Visit their downtown State College location at 112 East College Avenue or shop online at lions-pride.com. So, Jake, we just recapped top 10 moments in Pittsburgh in the decade, top 10 moments in Philly in the decade. Last night in the car ride, between the hours of 1 and 2 a.m., we put together what we feel is the best top 10 storyline moments of Penn State in the last decade. And, and you know what they say, the best thinking comes after the hours of 1 a.m. I, th- I think between those hours of 1 and 2 a.m., you get tip-top exactly. tip knowledge there. So we're going to dive right in here. With these top ten, a- anything you want to kick off, kind of introduce us a little more before before we get in? These are like storylines, so there's going to be some good stuff, some bad stuff, as I'm sure you can assume what happened earlier this decade. We're going to touch on it all. We're going to talk touch on kind of recovery things from certain things and just things that happened. But it's been a interesting, it's been an exciting past ten years at Penn State, and we're really excited to recap it. So, Preston? Let's go. Number ten, 2014, Penn State football wins the Pinstripe Bowl. Final score in that one, 31-30 over Boston College up at Yankee Stadium. Notably, the first bowl game won since the scandal and the banning of bowl games. They're back into their bowl game. Penn State wins this pinstripe bowl. I think it just said a lot about what the 
football program had gone through, the beginning of the revival of that team, they gave able to go to a bowl game like the Pinstripe Bowl and compete, and they come back and win that game. Yeah, just, that was just the beginning. It was James Franklin's first year after Bill O'Brien left for the NFL. You got to give him a lot of credit, and you give those seniors that are on that team a lot of credit for sticking with it, throughout everything that happened. Obviously, that's just the beginning of the resurgence. Obviously, we'll revisit some more moments on that resurgence throughout. Coming at number nine, forming a Division One hockey team with immediate success. Penn State Hockey was formed once again in the early 2010s, and really, right off the bat, right away, they had some immediate success. Guy Gadowski came in, has done a tremendous job leading the ship for the past eight, nine years, won a couple Big Ten championships, made a couple NCAA tournaments. Didn't make it last year, but all things considered, they're looking pretty good this year. They should they lead the Big Ten right now as they get to the winner break by five points. So Penn State is in really pretty shape in the Big Ten, and they're six in the pairwise right now. So if all things continue to go like they're going, Penn State should be back in the NCAA tournament this year. You actually surprised me when you told me that Penn State hockey was not a thing before this decade. I mean, just to see the immediate success there to – Open up a Division One sporting team, and in that same decade, win your conference championship, like a Big Ten championship. It's a big turnaround. I think that surely talks about the strength of Penn State hockey and what they've been able to do this decade. So, number eight on this list, Penn State basketball wins an NIT championship. That was back 2018. The likes of Tony Carr, Shep Gardner. You still had guys like Watkins and Stevens on that team. Watkins was hurt, I believe, down that stretch. But this was just a big win for Penn State. After not making the tournament, after having high hopes but falling short, they storm into the NIT and get a big win there. And that was just, honestly, one of the better moments for Penn State basketball, I think, this decade. Jake? Absolutely, it was. That's the same season they beat Ohio State three times. It's a great season for Penn State, and it was maybe the start of something. Obviously, last year, a bit of a down year for Penn State, but I think we're seeing now kind of that resurgence by Penn State basketball. So coming at number seven, the 2015 Penn State Women's Soccer National Championship. I give a lot of credit to Penn State at the time. Coach Erica Dombeck was actually Erica Walsh at the time. Led them to a 22-3-2 record, went all the way through the NCAA tournament, and won the na- national championship. And you got to give Dombeck credit, really. As long as she's been here, this team has been a powerhouse. They've been in the NCAA tournament every single year, and it's a lot of credit to her and Penn State winning that 2015 national championship. Coming in at number six, following a similar theme, you look at Penn State women's volleyball, the success they had this decade. Won the national championship 2010, 13, 14, leading into the decade 2007, 8, 9. But just the success that Russ Rose and that women's volleyball team has had here at Penn State over this last decade Certainly one of the most successful teams here on Penn State's campus, and you can't talk about the best moments for Penn State athletics this decade without talking about women's volleyball. Exactly. Russ Rose, 41 years here, obviously. Unfortunately, just fought at Stanford this past weekend, but he still has a dynasty here. I'm not sure how long he'll be here, but definitely got to enjoy what the product he's putting on the court, and it should be a really good team next year. Young team, too, as well, so a lot of excitement. Coming at number five, just the entire career of Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. They're two guys who helped revitalize Penn State football, two of the greatest players to ever wear the blue and white. So just their presence at Penn State comes in at number five on our list. Number four on our list, well, before I get to number four, I want to talk, echo number five on that list. Two players that really define Penn State football in the revival. I mean, Saquon Barkley, one of the best run, probably the best player to come through Penn State in this decade. Trace McSorley set so many passing records, just came in, stuck with it for four years, and both of those guys were just stellar players, and I think you can't talk about Penn State football 
and their history without talking about those guys. But you can't talk about Penn State athletics this decade without talking about those two players, let alone any specific incident, any specific game, record, whatever. Just what those two guys meant to the locker room and to that team, I think. That's how they got so high up on that list. It was a big deal. So, number four. We're on, we're on four? Yes. Number four. Penn State Nittany Lions, talking about dynasties, the wrestling team. Wrestling team national champions in 2011, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, come on. Thank you. They own the decade. They, they, the Penn State wrestling, Kale Sanderson and what they've been able to do this decade, unbelievable. Just phenomenal to watch them go out there and just be dominant. They lost their first duel this year since we were in eighth grade. We were in eighth grade the last time they lost. They lost to Arizona State Arizona a couple State. weeks ago. And, you know, they're still posed to have a great season this year, I think. And they've just been so dominant. They bring in great recruits. They've had great individual guys. And they come in at number four on some of those best storylines for the athletic program over the last decade. Coming in at number three in 2016, Penn State won the Big Ten and ended up making it to the Rose Bowl. Obviously, we're actually going to visit another moment from that season next on our list. But just as a whole, Penn State football started the year two and two. Went on to win nine in a row. Probably should have made the playoff face off just their resume, but Washington got in over them. Went to the Rose Bowl, had a really, really good game of USC that surely threw a pick late in that game. Sam Darnold led a little game-winning drive, and then USC kicked the game-winning field goal. But nonetheless, that was the season that kind of put Penn State football back on the map and has led to the success that we've had so far. Number two, super reliable inside of 40. This one from 45. That's the call you heard when Penn State blocked the field goal against Ohio State. They run that back. Grant Haley will score. Penn State will score. Penn State, that game changed so much for that program. It changed everything. It changed everything. You beat a team like Ohio State on the whiteout. The fans stormed the field. Probably the last time you're going to see that happen for a long time. Probably. Unfortunate as a student. And you might see our last court storming as well. Exactly. That's kind of fortunate, I think. But, <laughs> but you know, just so much for the program on that one block kick leads to them winning the Big Ten, leads to them going to the Rose Bowl. You know, the start of the revival was the pinstripe bowl. The revival continued through the tax slayer, through some of those low years. Saquon and Trey start to build things up, and then they take over with this block kick, and everything changed from that point on. I think it's just remarkable. And number one on our list, we said it wasn't all going to be good things. So, number one is the one, if this didn't happen, then probably the thing, the rest of the things on our list, I don't want to say don't happen. They don't, don't matter as but much. But don't matter as much. Not at all. Number one on our list is November 2011, the Jerry Sandusky scandal. It all comes out right there. Sandusky gets arrested. Joe Paterno gets fired. Paterno ends up passing away a couple months later in January. Best moment doesn't mean good moments it means most impactful moments and the jerry sandusky scandal regardless of what anyone says is the most impactful moment or most impactful thing that happened to penn state this decade at least in the athletic department i mean you're still feeling some of the repercussions from that i mean that's just something that was such a shell shock there was so much that fell down on that story that situation and it's te it's a terrible thing but like we mentioned without that scandal without all of the bad things that happened from that you don't see this massive 
revival of Penn State football. Who knows how things change? You can't mess around with time like James that. James Franklin's probably never here. A lot of things change. Lot, so many things change, but you can't talk about Penn State in this decade without bringing up that story, and I think it's fair. And then just to lighten up the mood a little bit, we mentioned this in our car ride last night from 1 to 2. I don't think we remember to slide it in there, but if Penn State basketball was ranked, do they slide in on this top 10 list? I'll give Penn State basketball mention. ranked for the first time in 23 years. We opened the show with that today. I don't see something on this list I really want to take off, but certainly an honorable mention. Penn State basketball peaking right now, the best they've been this decade as of three hours ago. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. And we're going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to do our Christmas wish list and give predictions for Eagles, Steelers, and Penn State for the rest of the season. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the SNS Show here on Com Radio. We are hiring. Penn State's Campus Dining is looking for passionate and talented students to join their team. They put student employees first with flexible scheduling and no minimum hours per week so it won't interfere with classes and clubs. Wages start at $9 an hour, and there are regular opportunities for raises and advancements throughout the year. Join Campus Dining, the perfect money move for your semester. Visit their website online at foodservices.psu.edu for more information and to apply today. We are stronger, lion's pride, stand together, blue and white. Calling all Nittany Lions fans, we are bowl bound. Be sure to get your Penn State Bowl merchandise at Lions Pride, located directly across from Old Main. You can also shop online at lions-pride.com. You're listening to the SNS Show, presented by Lions Pride, here on Com Radio. Final segment here on the SNS Show. It's brought to you by Lions Pride. Visit their downtown State College location at 112 East College Avenue or shop online at lions-pride.com. So, Jake, we've got a lot of friends, a lot of family. They'd like to tune into our show. And if I know my family... And my friends, I'm sure that they have no idea what I want for this holiday. For Christmas, your, your case for Hanukkah, you know, I'm sure people have no clue what I want. So I thought we thought it would be a good idea. Let's tell them what we want. Holiday wish list to wrap up the SNS show for this decade. A list of things that, you know, you might not be able to run down to Walmart and pick these things up. But I want them to happen, so if you really care about me, you should go out and figure it out. You know, make it happen. So, any uh, any other intro you got there for this wish list segment? I think I'm ready to I'm go. I'm excited for this one. I think this one will be fun. I'll let you kick it off. All right. Your holiday wish list, what's at the top of it? All right, so obviously, I'm doing these kind of in no particular order here, but this is the first kind of the things that came to my mind. This first one's at Matt Klintak. I just got to go a little rapid fire here as the show's wrapping up. But at Matt Klintak... Phillies trade for Chris Bryant. I don't care what it takes. If you've got to trade Alec Bohm, trade Alec Bohm. You get Chris Bryant in here, completes that infield. Bryant, Gregorius, got Segura at second, Reese Hoskins at first. I think that's something the Phillies need to do. So, Matt Clintac, go out there and trade for Chris Bryant. That'd be fun to watch. Top of my Chris, or my holiday wish list, this is at James Franklin. Go out and get a high-profile offensive coordinator. Please do not recruit or promote within the system here. We said it on this show, Ronnie was a great football coach, a great football mentor, a great person. The players loved him, but he had never been an offensive coordinator, and over the last two years, 
he was learning on the fly how to call plays. Go out and sign somebody who has been around the block, who knows what they're doing, and they've seen it all. I don't care if it's not Joe Brady. That's the number one target, sure. But you need to be taking a check, put it blank, and go out and get a big-name offensive coordinator who's going to come in and call plays for what could be one of the best offenses in college football next season. That's the top of my list. All right, my next one at the Eagles, make the playoffs. Beat Dallas on Sunday, beat the Giants the following week, find a way into the playoffs, and at that point, who knows? But most importantly, just find a way to get Carson Wentz playoff experience. He's never started a playoff game. It's been Nick Foles last year. It's Carson Wentz needs playoff experience. I don't care how long far they go, but just get him in the playoffs. Eagles, make the playoffs, please. I'm going to echo you there right after my on my holiday list. Steelers, make the playoffs. I, I, I mean, I'm at a point now where I said you can't expect this team to make the playoffs, but they're so close. I just want it so badly. I'm greedy. I'm a Steelers fan. I haven't seen them in the playoffs in two years since they lost to Jacksonville. Like, don't make this two straight seasons without a playoff run. Go beat the Jets next week. Maybe you compete against the Ravens week 17. Maybe they lay down their starters. I feel like if the Ravens have a chance to knock out the Steelers in the playoffs, then Lamar Jackson's going to be playing. But regardless, go get that job done. Figure out your offensive woes. Make the playoffs. Prove everybody wrong. You've got all the reserves in. Could be a great story. And then you go win four more games and get your seventh Super Bowl trophy. Maybe. That's on the list. And then you'll retake the lead for most Super Bowls ever. The lead that never should have been taken. Number three on my next one on my list, KJ Hamler. Please stay. Penn State's got everything in place to win a national championship next year. You're the last piece. I obviously know you might want to go pursue an NFL career, but for our sake, please stay at Penn State. We really want you to stay, and we really want to win a national championship next year. I love that as well. I didn't put that on my list because I knew you had it there, but I echo that wholeheartedly. Number three on my wish list, this goes out to Ben Charrington and the Pirates organization. Go get yourself a catcher, maybe even a few catchers. I mean, they let Cervelli go at the end of last year. I believe Diaz is also a free agent right now. They're not really going after him, I don't think. So there's a you're in a spot now where you're kind of rebuilding. They've got a chance to build around guys like Bell and Reynolds, Keller, Newman, Frazier, Tucker. You've got guys in the minor leagues that might be coming up. O'Neill Cruz, Key Brian Hayes, Will Craig. There's a core of young guys in Pittsburgh that might not necessarily future plans focus around guys like Marte and guys like Polanco. But go out there, take this young core, and find your catcher. Might not be for the future. Maybe it's a bridge for the next three, four, five years. I put a couple names on this list just for fun. Robinson Chirinos out of the Astros organization, still a free agent. Same with Jason Castro with the Twins, two guys that are a little more high-profile catching free agents. What about bringing back Russell Martin, free agent? Had some time in Pittsburgh. Could be a nice mentor to some of those young guys. Probably still has a little bit of a bat left in him. See what happens there. But Pirates, don't sleep on this catcher job. Bring somebody in that can do the job well and can really set into that lineup nice. Sixers, Joel, Ben, find a way to coexist. Ben, keep shooting three. Sixers, acquire a shooter, get hot. Find a way to get that one seed. Get that one seed, make a playoff run. This is the year to do it. Number four for me, Ben Roethlisberger. I know that you haven't worked out in a while. I know that you're getting Matt Patricia comments with your facial hair, but please, 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 come back healthy next season. A healthy Ben Roethlisberger next year with this defense and a whole revamped offense just because of what Roethlisberger brings to that team. 
could really you're looking at a window of one to two years that the Steelers can really compete with Ben again, I think, before you gotta move on forever. So my wish list there, let's speed up the health process of Ben Roethlisberger. Let's make sure he's projected to be fine, but let's make sure that he comes back, he's in shape, and he's ready to go maybe compete for a Super Bowl in the next few years. Because with the defense they have now, if the offense was good, man, this would be a good football team. My last one, probably most important one on this list, Oscar Limbaugh, got the entire city of Philadelphia behind you. Go out there, beat cancer. And we'll see you out there on the ice next year. Get the loudest ovation any player's ever gotten in Philly. We're all pulling for you, buddy. Go out there, kick cancer's butt, and come back healthy. An awesome story there. I mean, like, I talked about two players in Tyon and um, James Conner that have done the same thing in the city of Pittsburgh and what that means to see a fan base get around them. I am sure that this fan base of Philadelphia is going to be around him just a thing you don't want to wish on anybody and, you know, hope for the best on the recoveries there. Last thing on my list, not as serious as that, but I like to think of it as pretty serious, and that's a Cotton Bowl win. Let's go out and get a New Year's Six win. You know, they lost the Citrus Bowl last year, Penn State, and you're coming back this year against Memphis. Don't lay down and lose another game that you should win. Win this New Year's Six game in the Cotton Bowl and get set up for next year, which could be one of the best years in Penn State football for next decade. Start off right. All right, let's do predictions. So, Preston, we'll start with the Cotton Bowl, Penn State, Memphis, rapid fire. Who do you got? I got Penn State winning it. I think they do. It's on my wish list. I think Penn State kind of gets to the over the hump. They get that win. I'm not going to put a score on any of my predictions today because it's just going to be too rapid fire. So, give me Penn State. Penn State 31, Memphis 27. All right, give me the Steelers. Last two games, do they make the playoffs and what they do? Steelers are going to beat the Jets next week. They're going to lose to the Ravens at last week. I think they're going to make the playoffs because the Titans, who are the only team that's really pushing them right now, play the Texans again week 17. I think Houston gets the job done against them again. They did it last week. Steelers sneak in as a wild card in the playoffs. At that point, it's anybody's guess what will happen. What what offense is going to show up in Pittsburgh, we'll find out. But defense will get the win against the Jets next week, probably lose the Ravens, sneak into the playoffs. Awesome. Give me Eagles 24-21 over the Cowboys. Give me Eagles 31-17 over the Giants week 17. Finish the season 9-7, and sneak into the playoffs. I'm going to say they lose a close one, to, whether it's the Packers, the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the 49ers, a tight one at home. Carson Wentz plays well in his first ever playoff game, and the defense can't do enough. So Eagles make the playoffs for losing the first round, and I think that's it for the semester. Awesome semester. I mean – just want to send a shout-out to everybody who's been tuning in. It's just been so much fun this whole year. You think about it, it's been one year now one for the year. SNS show. Started up last spring and now tearing it all the way down here to the holiday break. We want to wish all of our listeners a happy holiday season and a safe holiday season. SNS show is going to be right back here in the spring, and we're extremely excited. There's going to be some awesome stuff to cover. Baseball season's right around the corner. Penn State basketball is climbing, and I don't know if I can keep up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully they'll still be ranked when we get back. I'm really looking forward to it, Jake. It's going to be a lot of fun. Should be a good one. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yep. So that's, that's it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for tuning in out there. Have a great holiday season. We'll see you next time on the SNS Show. We are stronger, lion's pride, stand together, blue and white, lion's pride, show the world your Penn State side, lion's pride, you're